Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to writer, comic book reviewer and fascinating fellow Fred McNamara about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. An award-winning magazine, Comic Scene is available digitally and in print in selected comic shops and newsagents in the UK, Ireland, Australia, Canada and the good old USA. Digital and print subscriptions are available from £2.50 at getmycomics.com forward slash comic scene. Or you can simply order it from any newsagent in the UK or Ireland. Also, be sure to check out their website, comicscene.org, for more news, details and other fun stuff. And lastly, just so you know, up until Saturday the 29th of February, for every 1,000 downloads of the digital edition of Comic Scene, they will be giving £500 to the registered charity Little Heroes, who make comic kits for kids in hospital. So be sure to visit getmycomics.com forward slash comic scene to get your digital copy of Comic Scene magazine and help Little Heroes bring comic kits to kids. Now without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Fred McNamara. How's it going? Hello, Sam. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, we were just discussing off air. We, we're glad that it's Friday because we're recording on a Friday and we've both had a busy week uh, by the sound yeah, of it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's TGI Fridays. Indeed. Indeed, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, firstly, thank you so much for coming on Comics for the Apocalypse. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Oh, that's very good of you. Thank you to invite me. Ah, oh, it's quite all right. Um, and for anybody that hasn't come across you yet, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? Oh, well, basically, I do a lot of writing about comics. I guess if I'm any sort of celebrity at all, which I'm sh- surely I'm not, but people <laughs> probably know me best through my work through uh, Place to Hang Your Cape, which is a superhero slash comic book uh, website where we love to support independents and small press creators via all the usual press stuff, reviews, interviews, whatnot. We offer some marketing services as well for creators who uh, are on Kickstarter, Unbound, Indiegogo, who are like crowdfunding comics. Um, When I write, uh, I'm I'm the senior editor for the site. Well, my official title is Official Sidekick, but my role is basically (laughs) that of the senior editor. Um, I look after the day-to-day operations of the site, and I write a lot about indie comics. I write just, just... far too much i read far too much but i i love it i love it to bits and when i'm not doing stuff with a place to hang your cape i I write about indie comics for or have written in the past for likes of comic scene we are cults um your chicken enemy um and a few other bits and bobs as well i guess yeah fantastic um and uh yeah you just uh went through um the the Pipe Dream and A Place to Hang Your Cape Awards um, over kind of Christmas as well. Um, yeah. Which was absolutely fantastic to see such such a diverse list of, uh, of top Indian small press comics. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, that was something I was actually quite conscious of, really, when um, I, I found out through our site's editor, uh, David Molofsky and Alex Thomas of Pipe Dream, when... We were getting this all uh, set up and we were talking about doing our 
uh, top ten because I know Pipe Dream do like uh, this this every end of the year gargantuan mm. lists, isn't yeah. it? Like of a hundred or so for, for the top ten, which um, we got we joined up to uh, con- contribute to. I suddenly became really conscious, like okay, let's see how diverse we can make this because I am quite conscious of how um, diverse the, the comics that I um, I consume are. At least so that was quite a key factor in choosing um, the top ten. Really, just how diverse it was. That's fantastic. Um, and uh, our, our, our guest from actually this week as we're recording, um, who was Gustavo Vargas, uh, ended up winning. Ah, yes. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's fantastic to kind of bring that full circle. Um, yeah. But uh, for the listeners out there, where, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on, on the Twitter. I am Commander underscore Mac. I, I used to be Capitan Mac. I really wanted oh. to be Captain Captain Mac when I first got on Twitter, but every combination I tried using with that n- name had been snapped up. So after a while, I just thought, okay, I'll be Capitan Mac. But then after, <laughs> after even that, I thought, it's time for another rebrand. I'll call myself Commander Mac, because why not? Yeah, well, it, it rolls <laughs> off the tongue. It I think, does, I think yeah. it works. I think it oh, works. God. <laughs> definitely um and then uh, of course everybody can go check out a place to hang your cape um Indeed. and say i always try to remember the the abbreviation say ap the number two yes h c no h y c dot com i think yeah ap yeah. a- 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 p- a- p- two h y c dot com that's it yeah bingo um and, and for anybody who you know can't uh figure, figure that out because uh, i have difficulty sometimes when people are trying to spell stuff out those links are in the show notes you can just go to the show notes and then click through so uh just just give it a go there um but uh, all of that aside fred um unfortunately i do have some bad news for you oh, um, and there is an asteroid heading straight for the uk um, and whereabouts are you in the in the UK? I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Lincolnshire. Lincolnshire, um, right. So um, I'm going to have the um, the asteroid heading right for Peterborough. So not not exactly directly in in Lincolnshire, but close enough that you're going to going to feel the impact. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 have a little bit of time to to perhaps do something about it so my first question for you is what is your action plan for survival well if watching uh, movies that have apocalyptic scenarios going on has taught me anything is that you can always protect yourself by hiding in a fridge so that is my that's my first plan of action i will hide in the fridge whilst the uh, what was it asteroid it is yeah yeah so when the asteroid impacts uh i shall be hopefully concealed in a decent um and sturdy fridge while it's all happening and going on there absolutely um and so it explodes um you you completely survive because the the fridge is completely foolproof plan Um, yeah and then what what are you going to do uh once kind of everything is pretty much flattened um where where are you going to go what are you going to do I'm going to take my fridge, dissemble it, refashion it into a mini camper van and in, into a Mad Max-esque vehicle and just set out on a trek across the world and see who else has survived the asteroid impacts. And that will be my life from now on. 
<laughs> that is awesome. I love that. Like, a fridge fashioned into a camper van. That's great. Um, and so, um, on your on your travels, um, you come across somebody um, that asks what you used to do in in the previous life uh, before the asteroid apocalypse, um, and they they ask you uh, a question. What was the first comic you remember enjoying? The very first comic that I ever enjoyed it was Asterix. Asterix the Gold. That really was the very first comic, yeah. I think. I can't remember how exactly it came into my life, but I always have quite vivid memories of my mum coming back from like charity shops of all things and quite yeah. often coming back with stacks of second-hand copies of those um, lovely old comic albums of Asterix's adventures. And I would just read them, like I still do now, but beginning to end, over and over again, always loved asterix comics that those were my very first taste of comics i guess absolutely classic um and were there any particular stories um that stood out for you well the very first one that i'll always remember because you always remember like the first in the series i guess don't you it was asterix the asterix the gladiator i think that was it that that was the one where cacophonix the bard who everyone hates in the Gaulish village because he can't sing. He gets captured by the Romans, I think, and presented to Caesar as a gift. But then he ends up um, having to uh, become a gladiator and fight lions and whatnot. So Asterix and Obelix um, decide to join, uh, go off to Rome and become gladiators themselves to try and rescue him. Fantastic. Um, and so at the time um, that your mum was bringing these back from the charity shop and whatnot, um, were, were you ever interested in, in making the comics yourself? Um, God, uh, I didn't think so, no. I was just happy enough to just read them over and over again. I did enjoy a bit of drawing, actually, when I was quite younger. And I used to draw a bit of Asterix fan arts, I guess. But that, that's, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Not yeah. much of a drawing. <laughs> you didn't carry that on. No, that no, at all. Um, and kind of through your uh, your comics reading um, career, um, have have you always been kind of you know reading comics constantly, or was there a break at any point? Or um, I think for, well before I joined a place to hang your cape, um, I was guess more of a casual reader of comics. I didn't massively consume them. Like, well, I think we'll talk a bit more about some of my other choices later on and how those have affected my life uh, over the years but mm. it's only really been through a place to hang your cape that i joined up in 2014 i think it was right. that i really started consuming comics of all sorts really so it really it's really been over the past five or six years i guess yeah that it's really kind of built up yeah yeah fantastic um so uh you you move on in your fridge camper van um on the on onto the onto the next town um and uh you come across somebody else uh that again asks you uh what you did in a previous life uh you talked about comics a little bit and they ask you what's the funniest or the comic that made you laugh out loud the most well i guess that has to be a recent infatuation of mine calvin and hobbs Mm. i came across calvin and hobbs i think it was last summer um, when I was visiting some family in Cambridge and across the street from uh, the house that uh, my um, family lived in, there was an Amnesty International um, secondhand bookshop. Mm. And me being the 
book comic nerd that I am. Of course, I spent most of my time in in that job, mm-hmm. and actually came out with one of those lovely old um, treasury collections of the Calvin and Hobbes um, strips from the eighties and nineties. And I haven't looked back <laughs> essentially. Awesome. I'd always know, I'd always known sort of what Calvin and Hobbes was about before I picked up this comic. But reading this comic, like these comics now, like it's I don't know, it's maybe completely fall in love with them really it, every time i pick up a calvin and Hobbes comic it just really brings a smile to my face really that's awesome um, are there any particular strips that, that stand out for you um not not entirely i think just well just because there's so so many of them i'm yeah. flicking through a couple now i've got beside me and there's you know every collection is jam-packed with all sorts of strips it's just a lovely collect they're all lovely collections to like dipping and out of aren't they they're those sorts of comics that you can just pick up open it up anywhere and just enjoy them enormously which i do i mean there's not i don't i I can really say about calvin and hobbes that hasn't already been said by academics critics fans whatever i know it's it's a comic that's really been prized open over the years but it's it's a recent um uh, love of mine and it's continuing to give me a great big smile whenever whenever i read the strips they're such fun that's fantastic yeah I, I i really need to try try and get into them myself um because they've calvin and Hobbes has obviously come out uh, a fair few times here mm. on the show um so yeah i definitely need to head down to my my local charity bookshop and uh pick up a copy because undoubtedly um there'll be one or two in there mm. well quite often when you come across comics in charity shops it's like um single issue marvel and, and dc stuff really but in this shop mm. i say you had like calvin and Hobbes, and there were some nice uh indian small press comics there so i was quite surprised right. pleasantly surprised yeah wow that's fantastic awesome um probably a, a local collector that's kind of clearing yeah. their loft or something yeah. <laughs> i guess so yeah excellent um so uh you move on to the next town uh and the next question uh that crops up is what is the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read well, again, this is a, a rec- something I read recently. I think um, last, uh, last summer, last autumn, I think. It's an anthology called Drawing Power, Women's Stories of Sexual Violence, Harassment and Survival, edited by Diane Newman and published through uh, Abrams Comics Arts. I got to read this comic when I was reviewing it for uh, Starburst magazine, actually, and... You know, I mean, it does what it says in the tin, really. It's a very engrossing, unflinching, and quite really quite raw collection of about over 60 female creators just sharing their stories of um, sexual um, harassment and violence they've um, sadly suffered over the years. Um, but it's, it's quite a riveting collection of comics, really. It's a difficult read, given, obviously, given its subject matter. And I was writing my notes for this podcast about this comic. And I think if I could sum it up succinctly, I'd say, you know, I think it's become one of my favorite comics of all time because it's it's wonderfully told and beautifully presented. But like it's I couldn't say I enjoyed it, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, Just yeah, give, yeah. given the subject matter, if that makes sense. Mm, makes it difficult um, to watch. It it is yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's it is it is a difficult read, but a vital and necessary read, I yeah, think. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and if, and if nothing else, there's a fantastic variety of art styles um, in mm. the comic as well. There's black and white strips. There's uh, strips in full color. 
strips that are quite traditional in their layout and then some that are a lot more experimental and creative. Um, so it's, it's just a really necessary comic, I think, for this time, I think. Yeah, that goes through it all. Um, mm. I mean, that is... It's it's quite a punch to the gut, um, I assume. Kind of as you're as you're reading it, um, kind of yeah, you just feel like your heart sink because <laughs> you yeah, know exactly. that yeah, what happened mm. um, to them as well. Um, that's extremely powerful, um, and uh, yeah, particularly upsetting. But as you say, it's a, it's it's a necessary uh, comic that needs to be put out there so that people know that this is what people have to go through. Um, oh, definitely. And that, uh, yeah, justice needs to be served, basically. Definitely. And it's hugely I mean, welcoming and gratifying that these uh, creators have been given this platform to share their stories with. So it's very brave of them. Brilliant, really. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's fantastic. Um, and sorry, who was the publisher again? It was um, published through Abrams Comic Arts. Abrams Comic Arts. Um, I ha- I'm not sure I've heard of them before. Um, are they, do you know where they're based? I think they're an American publisher. I think they publish yeah. most of the um, uh, art, artish books. I don't really want to say highbrow, but that they're like, like highbrow sort of the uh, hardback collections, really. Right, that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but yeah, no, yeah uh, definitely the type of thing um, that would be good. Um, I, I don't know, maybe to have it something to, to read in a school. To actually That's kind of get, idea, yeah. get, get get the conversation mm. going about these issues. That's an um, idea, yeah. In a way that's perhaps a little more engaging mm. um, for for all types of of young people. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Just thinking out loud. Sorry, Fred. <laughs> all right. Well, we were talking uh, before we uh, recording, weren't we, about what we were doing and how um, I'm training to be a teacher right now. And I've actually been mm. reading a few articles in the past of teachers who are starting to bring in comics into the classroom as a sort of alternative to all the same like English texts that, you know, like all you'll have to read Shakespeare and whatnot and Dickens at, at school, but introducing comics maybe such as I don't know, drawing power, as you say, it would get a conversation started. It'd be a bit more stimulating for people to learn. I'd say. Definitely a lot mm. more engaging, um, and obviously raising the issues that need to be raised. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so um, you, uh, you 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 along um, after after a very philosophical que- um, conversation yeah. <laughs> um, to the next town, um, and the uh, the next question that comes up from the next person is, uh, what is the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read? Well, I think that would be uh, V for Vendetta by Alan Moore awesome. and David Law, Stone Cold classic. This yeah. was. Um, when when I was I've had this comic for I guess just over ten years or so in my mid to early teens I remember it well I went through this sort of stereotypical um, induction of comics phase whereby I read three comics that I think will always show up on every best graphic novel list of all time whatever and that was V for Vendetta Watchmen and Batman the Dark Knight Returns great you all you'll always find those three on the best of list won't you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And even even though I read them all at the same time, a lot of the political and um, commentaries, I think, sort of washed over me at that very, very young age. But 
You just yeah. want to look at the cool stuff, right? Well, that's it. <laughs> you don't yeah. want to read the subtext. <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. But, I, you know, I, I dive back into these comics um, every so often, and I just continue right. to pick up things that I'd never seen before. And as someone who's becoming more uh, politically aware of the world around him as the years go on, you know, Reef Vendetta in particular, for me at least, it's one of those comics where you read as a youngster and you don't really get it, but then you read it when you're a lot older and you really understand it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, definitely. Um, and what was it about V for, De- for Vendetta that was kind of particularly scary or horrifying for you? I'm just trying to think. I mean, for, for whatever reason, when I read these three comics originally as a kid, as I say, um, for whatever reason, Viva Vendetta at that time stood out in my mind a lot more, more so than Watchmen and Batman. And I just wonder if at that, at that time it was just because, you know, Viva Vendetta is set, um, it's, it's, it's in a UK setting, whereas the other two are set in America. So maybe it was a bit more recognizable mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, maybe just tapped into my tastes in fiction at the time, because I'm also quite a massive fan of um, my uh, cult spy-fi material, and I think there's a lot of that going on, like Cold War analogies and yeah. whatnot. But reading it, you know, reading it now, I mean, it's it's difficult not to, I mean, look at the world as it is now and think, yeah. wow, we're really heading into the world that Alan and David conjured up all those years ago. That's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, totally, absolute prophet. Maybe he he does have magic. I think he does. I mean, I was actually flicking it, flicking through the comic, um, not too long ago. I can't remember what. Flicking back to it now, I can't recall exactly what page it in, but there's a quote where the, the character really does say, "Make Britain great again," yeah. or something like that. And that's just yeah, yeah. like wow. <laughs> that's literally <laughs> happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. Incredible, isn't it? Incredible. It is. Um, yeah. Uh, well, that's that's fantastic. It's great to have because I don't think the Vendetta's come up at all. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, which, is, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, you would have thought it would have come up at some point, but uh, yeah, I... I think you are the first person to come yeah. come forth with uh, V for Vendetta. Oh, um, and, and, and and rightly so, because it's a, it's, a, it's a great classic comic. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. Uh, now, um, we're on to uh, our fifth town and fifth question. Um, and okay. that is, um, what is your favourite cover? My favourite cover? Um, God, I had a time whittling this down, I think. Uh, but I think ultimately I will go for issue number 162 of uh, TV21. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, would you would you like to explain? Because um, I hadn't heard of TV Twenty One at all. Hadn't heard of TV Twenty One. No, I hadn't. So yeah, for for any of the listeners out there, please please could you uh, you explain what TV Twenty One is? Well, um, TV Twenty One was the official comic book of the a string of Jerry Anderson puppet shows from the nineteen sixties, which are my absolute bread and butter if most people are listening to this podcast then they probably know oh yeah fred really loves this sci-fi puppet (laughs) puppet shows yes Um, i have been noticing that recently actually oh there you go but he and his century 21 were responsible for the likes of like thunderbirds captain scarlet stingray joe 90 fireball xl5 um and tv 21 was the comic was the accompanying comic book of all that really and uh, issue 162 in particular, um, that was from the era when 
uh, Captain Scarlet was um, pretty much the star star comic strip in the comic at that time. And the cover for issue 162 is taken from then a then ongoing story arc involving um, Captain Blue seemingly becoming Mr. Unized. I won't spoil it too much for anyone who's not seen it, but there's a Mr. Un plot afoot to target the, um, I think it's the Channel Tunnel at the time. And the cover itself depicts um, Captain Blue, who seem again, seemingly Mr. Unized, shooting Captain Scarlet off the top of um, a very tall um, iron girder thing. And it's this fantastically dramatic image of Scarlet falling to his, you know, I use in air quotes here, his death, because of yeah. course Scarlet indestructible so he can't be killed but it's such a fantastic use of um perspective really it's really reminiscent of that very first episode of the series when the really mr one eye scarlet also gets shot off the london car view again by uh, a non-mr one captain blue but it was drawn uh drawn in color by the late great mike noble who i think we lost i think it was last year that he oh, uh, passed away i think um one of those great classic British comics artists. Um, and it's, it's just a really, really striking, very striking cover. Again, very dynamic use of perspective. It's very warped the way you're sort of looking up at Scarlet as he's plummeting to earth, really. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, yeah, TV 21, they kind of, it feels like a newspaper. That was it. Yeah. Like the front cover was always presented as like the newspaper of the future and the strips had like all these dramatic sensationalist headlines. Like for this one, for instance, the headline is Scarlet Deathfall and there's a bit of text to accompany what's going on. But yeah, that was one of the key um, creative successful choices behind the comic, I think, in that it was presented as the newspaper of the future, as it were. Yeah, in the 21st century. Mm. Um, it's fantastic. Um, and uh, what what is it that really kind of you know, pulls you in for that. For the for comic the in general? Yeah. Or the cover? Well, no, yeah, the cover. The cover, really. Um, again, I think it's just... I mean, first of all, it's a Mike Noble drawing. And anyone knows yeah. Mike Noble style, they'll know you always get, like, just an absolutely fantastic image with Mike Noble. But again, it's, uh, I think, ultimately, it's the really weird, eye-catching perspective um, yes. of the sight of Scarlet's um, falling to his death and the very tall iron girder that he's falling from it's at a very shifted warped angle it just really catches the eye it does what a front cover should do i guess yeah absolutely draw your eye in that's it yeah um, yeah it is it's a really weird perspective i mean he's absolutely nailed it of course mm. but the perspective is kind of from underneath this platform that's on like yeah some sort of steel tower yeah or that's something. It, yeah. but it but it's kind of looking back up at a certain angle that's it yeah it feels like i don't know it just you can feel like captain scarlet is free falling he is yeah Isn't and the drama to his of, death that <laughs> too is his, his death yes and then the drama of as it, it being captain blue we see in the other um image with it him being the one that shoots scarlet yes. exactly twist twist <laughs> yes again i won't spoil it for you but it's, it's one of the good the good story arcs from Scarlet in TV21. Well, that is a great cover. I, mean, I love the fact that they've yeah presented it as a newspaper um, yeah. as well. That, that's, that, that is absolutely fantastic. Um, now, uh, move on to uh, town number six. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question that comes up from, from this 
person is uh, what is the most meaningful comic to you? Meaningful one? Well, I had a um, time deciding this one, and ultimately I plucked for Transformers Generation 2, which was the 1990s sequel from Marvel Comics to the original uh, 1980s uh, G1 comic, Generation 1, which ran mm. for, what did it run for, like something like over 300 issues or something? Was it? Wow. Something like that, yeah. That like in America, it, yeah, like in America, it ran for, I think, um, barely a hundred issues. But then over in the UK, um, Simon Furman joined up as a writer and expanded the comics uh, horizon storytelling wise to make it like over three hundred or or something. But again, kind of like Asterix, it wasn't the very first comic I read. Again, that was um, an Asterix, obviously. But this was, I guess, the first comic for me to really open my eyes to how how violent and grim and dark like big action sci-fi comics can be because i'm really into my transformers as well uh mm. and I, when i first read this uh, comic i would have been of the age when you had the likes of um the armada and energon cartoons on right. tv which were quite youth oriented they were for kids obviously but sure. this generation two comic was something else um entirely um I can't recall who precisely drew it. I know there were a few shifting personnel involved with yeah, the comic. De- Derek, uh, yeah, Young Yanniger. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Derek, yeah. that's it. Yeah, that first issue of TV Twenty One with all the like neon soaked colours and all the exploding imagery, it just really captured my imagination. And in a way, it kind of was a precursor to um, what I would read later on with. V for Vendetta and whatnot, because even if even when those comics kind of cemented the idea in my mind that comics can be a, perhaps mature, grown up, dark, whatever you want to call it, it was this comic, Generation Two, that really actually set that in motion. That made me realize, oh, okay, you can be quite, quite, quite grim, quite dark. These comics, because quite a dark and violent tale, really. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm, I'm just, sorry, reading uh, an interesting bit of trivia on the wiki um, for it. Um, so apparently there's a, there's a character in um, the Generation 2 comics uh, called G-Axis. Yeah. Um, do you remember them? Um, and yeah, it was in, intentionally um, by Simon Furman um, to be G-Ax-Us. Yeah, anticipating the short lifespan of the comic, apparently. Um, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he knew it from the start, that apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it only ran for um, twelve issues, I think. Whereas, yeah. as I said, the UK Generation One comic it went for, I think, I'm pretty sure, well over three hundred issues or so. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, um, but uh, no, that's great that you that you have that. Um, and uh, what what is it that kind of really pulls on on your heartstrings that brings meaning? Um, well, it's a very well suitable for this podcast. It's quite an apocalyptic sort of story, really. <laughs> it goes in all guns blazing across, well, quite literally at times across its twelve issues. Um, story wise, I mean, it it really opens up the backstory for how exactly the Autobots and Decepticons were created in this, um, the G1 comic book continuity and how there's a lot of dark secrets involved. And there's a lot of, um, um, I guess racial 
racial supremacy, racial cleansing metaphors, really, that go on um, throughout the comic as both Autobots and Decepticons um, come across this race of it's some like pure Cybertronians or something, and they're on a mission to sort of cleanse the universe of the Transformers <laughs> in a way. I'm, I'm probably not explaining it very well, but again, it's just one of those grand scale Simon Furman written strips that just really is, as I say, all, all guns blazing. It's all very imaginatively written, really hooks you in. That's awesome, man. Um, I love it when you connect with something like that <clears throat> that just feels yeah. like. You know, there's great action, you know, there's some good subtext and it just, you know, hits every beat that you want out of the story. It it does, yeah, it does that, yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, now, uh, moving on to the next town and the next question, uh, <laughs> and that being, uh, what is the most underrated comic? Well, for this one, I could have picked um, any number of indie or small press comics, I guess, because uh, being by the nature indie, they never get enough love. But one comic in particular that, um, again, a recent one, it's really stood out for me recently is a Cry Wolf Girl by Ariel Reyes. Reyes? I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, it's either Reyes uh, or Reyes. Yeah, that's it, yeah. But it's a comic that's published by um, uh, Shortbox, um, a little independent uh, publisher that published a selection of um, comics uh, every few months. This one came from the most recent short box, I think, back in September of last year. Um, this comic, it got into the A Place to Hang a Cape and Pipe Dream um, top 10. Uh, I did a write-up for it. I think he even did a little review for Pipe Dream as well about the comic. Um, but I think on, on Twitter, I mentioned on Twitter, I described this um, as pretty much, it's just a masterclass of grief, paranoia, and tension, really. It's just fantastically drawn and coloured there's a lot of really palpable danger that just sizzles throughout the comic it is very very good and i kind of like drawing power i have not heard nearly enough um good things said about it elsewhere really oh wow um that's a that's a shame isn't it um mm. and uh yeah just just for the listeners to get a bit of the bit of a flavor for it uh what's the setting the setting it's set in um in the past i think set in an indigenous tribe where this um this girl called dawa um is kind of plagued by thoughts that she's being hounded by wolves and ultimately it's it's kind of like a fresh spin on the classic cry wolf sort of story yeah um like she goes to her um tribe leaders i think and and tries to convince them that she's having these sort of nightmarish visions of these monstrous like wolves and obviously they, naturally they don't believe um her dangers and sort of culminates in her being abandoned or left alone rather in in the village that her and her family and friends all live in and becoming actually attacked by um literally these very monstrous like wolves i mean it's just it's a, it's just a really really good comic really and, and i hardly recommend that you check it all out Definitely. Um, and, and how would you best describe the art? Because um, it's, um, it's unique. It's, it's really unique, yeah. I mean, it does such a superb job of communicating the danger and the paranoia that Dawa faces throughout, really. I think, I'd, I think that's the best way to describe it. It's quite a strong, um, sturdy colour palette of reds, blacks and whites. Mm-hmm. There's some really inventive... Um, paneling going on yeah. um really sharp penciling done as well 
it's just for, for me it's just one of those comics that just hits every level is very very good yeah definitely it looks absolutely wonderful mm. um and, and clearly setting a tone as yeah well. it, um, it does that right from the off yeah and it's, it's quite a brief comic as well right. um i didn't count how many pages it's got but it's not a long comic at all and yet as i say it, it sets its tone pretty instantly and sticks to it throughout oh that's fantastic um yeah mm. again another another comic i need to absolutely check out um and uh yeah i think 48 48 pages what? sorry Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, 48 pages. I was just uh, checking that out. Um, ah, but, okay. uh, yeah, no, um, it's uh, definitely something that I'm going to have to absolutely uh, add to my reading list. Um, mm. Sure. Fantastic. Uh, now, uh, sorry, Fred, go on. I was saying I heartily recommend it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Uh, now, uh, move on to our most difficult town. Um, or question, uh, and that is, uh, for you, uh, what is the best comic of all time? Well, once again, if, if anyone's listening to this podcast through um, through my through my Twitter or they know me and they know my love for Jerry Anderson puppet shows, this will come as no surprise. But I think if I had to pick one comic that I think is the best and just as everything that I want, what I want to read and see in comics, and that is TV21 fantastic and you know why why for you does it just emanate greatness oh well in a way it does all the things that jerry anderson puppet shows do and more you know it's not restricted by the fact that these puppets in the in those all brilliant old shows then they have trouble walking and whatnot none of those difficulties are in the comic you can see everyone running and jumping which you really can't do you can't see in the tv shows but it's just it's um it's just really quick paced action heavy um science fiction really there isn't huge amounts of like character development or character focus that kind of thing it's not really that comic but i would i would argue that doesn't matter you don't come to tv 21 for like engrossing character driven arcs or so you come for the action and the adventure and tv 21 does that um in spade with all its strips all the comic spin-offs it gave for as i said stingray fireball thunderbirds captain scarlet zero x joe 90 all that all, all those uh, vehicles characters and more that's fantastic man um, some some great reasons there. Um, that, mm. that is the best comic of all time for you. That's awesome. Indeed. Uh, oh, now, also, sorry, Fred. Go on. So it's one more thing. Also, um, if you like, if this is for the um, continuity lovers out there, if you like the idea of Thunderbirds, Stingray, and whatnot all existing in the same universe, you will really like TV Twenty One because even where the TV shows kind of stayed away from each other continuity wise, TV Twenty One was where everyone crossed over and referenced and had cameos in everyone's strips. So that was just another reason why it's just so much fun to seeing all these characters and vehicles just pop up in everyone's strips, really. Oh, that's awesome fun. Yeah, that's always something that kind of, yeah, uh, took me aback with the shows was, you know, why aren't these guys, you know, surely they're in the same world? Because it feels like they're in the same (laughs) world, but they never really meet. Um, it would have been awesome to have had like a massive crossover event <laughs> for the TV uh, yeah. shows, but a, a lot it was of too complex. That, yeah. yeah, but TV Twenty One does give you some of those, at least yeah. some of those bits. Jobs. 
exactly i'm definitely have to check that out that's awesome um so uh we come on to our, our last question in regards to to comics um and that is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse which would it be i think that would have to be um tilly walden's on a sunbeam from avery hill great and uh what's the uh what, what's the setting and, and premise of that well, on a sunbeam is it's basically big gay space love. I mean, what's not to like about that? <laughs> sure, man. Why not? It's it's just a huge it's just a hugely, I think, very sweet, sensitive, um, melancholic, character driven sci fi um, space opera. Really, um, I mean, again, it's difficult to try and condense it all um, into words, but it's it's almost like it's this really lovely coming-of-age story set against um, the backdrop of outer space, the hugeness of space, and these very intimate, um, loving, lovingly written and drawn character dramas that kind of unfold throughout the whole comic. It's a hefty comic as well. I think yeah. it's one of the chunkier books that Avery Hill has come out with. It's, it's just over 500 pages long. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's worth... Every page it is such a, a beautifully told and drawn comic. So if I had to pick one taking to the apocalypse, I would definitely take this comic. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's certainly hefty. It says um, exactly 544 pages long. So oh wow, yeah. certainly that's that is good going, isn't it? That, that um, is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a uh, Eisner uh, nominated as well oh, it was. oh brilliant yeah it was um, and it won uh best web comic um oh i think i read that yeah at broken frontier awards as oh well. brilliant yeah yeah um, it was born so. as a web comic, wasn't it yeah yeah um so that's that's absolutely fantastic um and uh kind of uh what how would you describe the art with that <sighs> Oh, that's that's a very good question. <laughs> question, um, sensitive, yeah, in, in a word, sensitive. And I think if you actually got uh, read the comic, maybe you get what I mean. Mm. There's some very strong and distinct color palettes throughout, aren't there? Yes, yeah. yeah. But it, it, and it does a brilliant job in creating these very moody and atmospheric and very individualistic sort of worlds and landscapes, really. Absolutely, um, and yeah, it, it really. It, some points from kind of looking at some of the pages, it feels like it it manages to get the expanse of space. Yeah, it really gets that essence. De- definitely, yeah. The huge, the weary emptiness of space. Yeah, yeah. and then it juxtaposes that, as I said earlier, with these lovely little character moments and dramas throughout. Yeah, yeah, and intimate moments. Yeah. Absolutely, that's fantastic. I um, mean, yeah, of course, it will keep you busy at 500, uh, 544 pages as long as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Excellent. Um, so uh, we come on to our very last question, um, and that is, uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse with you? Well, given that I'm, the well, scenario that I'm in is trekking across the uh, destroyed world in a converted fridge on wheels in a Mad Max-esque scenario, I think it'd be most useful for me to have a map. Absolutely. Um, and is, is that just your standard AA UK Atlas? 
Yeah, yeah, just the bog standard atlas, not the most exciting weapon or tool in the world but i think the most useful given given the context absolutely that is fantastic we can certainly provide that for you um along with a copy of on a sunbeam as well brilliant all i need a map and on a sunbeam (laughs) superb (laughs) Uh, well fred mcnamara thank you so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse it's been a real pleasure and thank you for having me it's been a pleasure being on the show oh quite all right um and uh do you have any other projects coming up this year apart from reviewing for uh, a place to hang your cape and whatnot oh well i yeah i'm always if nothing else i'm always knees deep in a place to hang your cape stuff um oh but this year as well next month um sees the day the, the publication of my debut book spectrum is indestructible an unofficial celebration of captain scarlet and the Mistrons, which does include copious amounts of coverage on the show's uh, comic book spin-offs over the years. So it's oh, relevant to the podcast as well. Right. Um, and when's that out, sorry? That's, um, it's on track for mid-February, I think. Uh, again, if you find me on Twitter, Commander underscore Mac, or if you just type in Spectrum is Indestructible, then you'll come across the book's um, uh, pre-order page uh, via um, Spiteful Puppet slash Chinbeard Books who are bringing this book to life jointly. It's currently available for pre-order now. Um, at the time of this recording, I believe there's ooh, 26 copies left that are available to pre-order. So if you're interested in um, pre-ordering, I suggest you um, get a shift on. Yeah, get on it on, like a car bonnet. Um, on it excellent. like a car bonnet. <laughs> And uh, have you got any events coming up this year at all? Um, uh, I'll, I, I, nothing's on the cards just yet. No, um, nothing's planned as such, but I may, uh, be bopping around various, um, indie comic conventions. Uh, there may be Thought Bubble, which is happening this year again, isn't it? Um, yeah. didn't go to last year's, but didn't manage to do that, sadly. So I may have to make up for that this year. So maybe you'll find me there. Um, again, you can more than welcome to follow me on Twitter, and just keep up to date with all my rambling nonsense on indie comics and sci-fi puppet shows. That's fantastic, Fred. Uh, well, again, I <laughs> really, really appreciate that. Everybody go check out all of Fred's links in the show notes. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully our, our, our paths will cross uh, con soon. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Fred. <laughs> That's no worries, Sam. Thank you. Take care, mate. Bye. And you. Bye. Thanks again to Fred for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Fred's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. Also, a big thank you to Comic Scene for supporting the show. If you haven't already, check it out at comicscene.org and finally as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week i'll see you next monday bye for now